Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Welcome to episode 60 of the Juice Box Podcast. This one, come on now, the author of Ellie and Coach, Stephanie Shahan. I think it's Shahan. Shahan, I got to tell you, I made so many mistakes with names in this episode. You're going to hear me call her L, her daughter, Stephanie. All right. Obviously, I'm having trouble here, too. You're going to hear me say Stephanie's daughter's name is L, Ellie. I'm all over the place. But trust me, it's Ellie. Ellie is the daughter. Coach is the diabetes service dog. This is a topic that I was uncomfortable with. I thought I didn't want to do the interview. I didn't think I agreed with it. And I am really super happy that I spoke with Stephanie because tons of stuff got cleared up. Don't forget a couple of important things. First of all, at some point in the episode, I'm going to tell you about a giveaway where you can win one of Stephanie's books. Actually, there's three books up for grabs. And uh, of course, thank you to Insulet, the makers of the Omnipod, for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Also, real quickly, first 20 minutes of the interview, Stephanie's on a cell phone. We had a, a communication mess up about what phone to call from, and we cleared up very quickly. All right, listen up. This is a good one. Just introduce yourself in a very basic way, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, which I think will introduce you the rest of the way. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Stephanie Shaheen. The mother of Ellie, Anna, Caroline, and William. Okay, so you're the mom of three? Four. Four, my God. Three girls and a boy. Three girls and a boy. Oh, geez. Are you pregnant right now? No, thank you. <laughs> no plans to be. <laughs> My youngest is nine. Uh, our family is complete. Good for you. That's excellent. Um, okay, so you have one of your children and one of your daughter uh, has type 1 diabetes, and she was diagnosed when she was eight, seven? Yes, our oldest, Ellie, who is now 16, and she was diagnosed. So we just recently hit the mark where she will be living with diabetes longer than she lived without it. Okay. All right. So she's 16 years old. So she's been with it for eight years. Diagnosed, it sounds like my rough math, maybe a year or so after my daughter, maybe. So uh, mm, about 2006, 2007. seven. 2007, okay. Yeah. okay. So she's diagnosed at eight years old. Are there other people in the family with endocrine issues at all? My brother-in-law, my husband's youngest brother was diagnosed with type one, late 20s. Okay. Okay. So there's a, a bit of a bloodline and, 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 any other endocrine issues? Like, does somebody have, oh, uh, geez, uh, celiac, or does someone have a thyroid condition or anything like that? No, not that no. we. Okay, all right. So, I guess unexpected is is probably a safe word, even though your your brother in law has it. I guess it's still not something you're expecting. It was very unexpected, in part because he, you know, he had it. He was diagnosed as an adult. And there was no family history we knew of before his diagnosis. And, you know, ironically, I remember vaguely talking with him about the trial net study and whether we should have our kids screened. And then within you know, 18 months of that conversation, Ellie was diagnosed. Oh, isn't that something that's random? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So have you, since then, have you, have your other children done trial net by any chance? Yes. All, all, all of us. Husband and I both did it initial screening, and each of our younger children have been screened every year since her diagnosis. And so far, none of them have got antibodies, but we, you know, knock on wood. In fact, they're due to be re 
they're going to be rescreened soon. I'm sorry, you dropped out for a second, but you're going to be yeah, rescreened so soon. Be rescreened in June. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So unexpected comes on you guys. What's the first step? Is it, um, you know, you leave the hospital with what they give you pens or needles or what do you leave with? Yeah. We left the hospital with syringes that they had to special order because she was taking half units of insulin. Right. Uh, so vials the hospital with and, uh, blood glucose meter. I think we were using a, it was actually even before the one touch fancy colors. So I think we were using a freestyle meter. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what, I think we got same thing, little needles with the half units yeah. and, uh, and some Novolog and, and, and that, that little tiny silver freestyle meter that, yes. that, that made it all feel very like up in the air. Yep. Like exactly. <laughs> right. It gave you no confidence that what you were doing was the right thing. Yeah, like this is the thing, huh? I, right. I do recall. I do recall seeing the the giant meter that the hospital used. It was this big, oh yes, like brick machine. Yeah, and 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 so I don't know if I've ever. I don't think I've ever shared this here before. But the nurse comes in, she tests her blood sugar, my daughter Arden's blood sugar, and then she says, "Now this is the meter you're going to be using." And I, I thought, wow, either this meter that they're handing us is a technological marvel, or <laughs> or it's a. And if so, then why are they not using it? And right, and so right. you know, and, and so I was like, this is uh, these the same. And she goes, so so you you learn how to use your meter here. Like she was going to show us how to touch the test strip while the blood drop was out. And the two numbers were, I don't want to say they were far off, but they weren't exactly the same. You know, mm. maybe thirty yeah. points, like that kind right. of thing. Right. And I said, well, which one's right? And right. she says, well, ours is probably mostly correct. And I was like, so yours isn't even 100% right? right, right. <laughs> and, no, uh, and I don't know, I don't know if Arden a trial, but, but Ellie at one point had to use the Gluca Scout. Have you, ever, have you ever seen that? I don't know that one, no. Oh, my gosh. So it's very similar to, to the meters. They were both being in the hospital at diagnosis. But, mm -hmm. but in this case, they, it, it had a port in her arm, and they would, they would take the blood out every 30 minutes. She was part of a bionic pancreas trial, and oh, they would okay. cycle the blood through. To, but it was as big. They right. call it the glucose scout, and I thought, wow, this is, you know, she's attached to IV poles with all these computers and this giant glucose scout machine that is testing her blood sugar. And apparently the reason they were using that is the only device that could possibly get as close to replicating what was actually happening in the blood. Um, so even those meters that, that they were using at the hospital when Arden and Ellie were diagnosed were not as accurate as this. And so when, when, um, when was she doing the artificial pancreas trial? Because at this point now they're using, they're using Dexcom like fives yes, and, yes. and stuff like that. So yeah, she was one of the first pediatric patients to, to test it. It was still in hospital. Uh, it was 2013 to 2012, halfway through 2012, I think. Um, so she had to be over twelve. Oh, okay. So she was she was actually asking now me and I get to do the part of the bionic pancreas trial. So it was between her twelfth and and uh, so her version in the hospital bed four days attached massive IV pole. She had four different scans that they were testing, um, two different Dexcoms, different mini meds. And, um, and so it's, it's a lot different now. I mean, what the device looks like, she, she wasn't able to be part of the camp study. Um, but I've seen 
just how far it's come since she got to try it. Yeah, it obviously it's taken leaps and real real leaps, and now right. they're now they're pretty much openly saying that 2018 looks like yeah, like to market time. So yeah. that's exciting. Uh, okay, so I guess my question becomes this: Now I have mm-hmm. a lot of different people on, and I don't. I don't know what they're going to say before I speak to them. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty big, you know, that's what I like. I like this conversation. You know, in, if you were about to tell me that, uh, you know, kale cured your diabetes, I would, <laughs> I would disagree with you after you right, said right, it, but, right. but I would, but I would, I would love to hear you say it. And so, and so this has been really like a strange thing for me, like the process of having you on, because you guys did something that if someone asked my advice about, I would say don't do that unless it's a, a dire situation. But you did mm-hmm. it, and so I really want to hear about why and how it's helped you and what it's become because because I because it's it's outside of my it's outside of how I think of managing type one diabetes every day. I guess mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. So you've written a book um, called Ellen Coach, and it's about your daughter's. Um, type one diabetes service dog and your life and, and diabetes and et cetera. So I want to know what led up, you know, what was going on in your life and in Elle's life that made you think we need something else? Sure. Uh, I, I actually love that question because I was exactly just described yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> when I first saw a diabetes alert dog working for a family. And I was, I mean, candidly, I was very dismissive. I didn't believe it would work. You know, I I have a, a graduate degree from Harvard. I am a data a data fiend. I like to say a data hound because I think it's not pun intended. Um, and so when Ellie was diagnosed, I I really threw myself as her primary caregiver into the process of figuring out how how can we make this work, so keep her healthy as long as we possibly can, and provide her with uh, all the tools she needs to manage this. And so. We did a drug therapy trial within 28 days of diagnosis that she chose want to do once she heard, you know, that it was a possibility. Uh, she wanted to do this bionic pancreas trial. We've done the trial in that study. Uh, she's done one other study. So, you know, we were all about learning possible good. And every time it felt like the, the day-to-day drudgery of what it takes to manage this chronic disease was weighing her down or weighing me down. We looked for other ways to some energy or break up the monotony. So it may be as simple as a new blood glucose meter or different test strips. I remember at one point her taking the one touch meter that she was using and throwing it across the room because she kept getting error messages and it was requiring larger blood samples. And so something as simple as fixing that, um, you know, we, we were willing to try anything and, and stick with something if it was working and uh, break it up if it wasn't. Uh, for example, within a year after her diagnosis, she was on the mini med pump mm-hmm. and then she'd go off it for the summer months during the summer when she was, you know, in and out of a pool or, you know, running around being wet, getting wet. Um, and in the warmer months, uh, she went back on injections. For high school because she didn't want the pump with the tubing hanging off of her. Now she's on Omnipod pump, no tubing. Um, she, she's using the Dexcom 5 and we have the share on my phone. So we we have tried everything and open to trying everything. The point at which Coach, who is 
at least the IBD's alert dog entered our life. She had gone through very dramatic physiological changes. She went from, you know, the day of her diagnosis at this eight-year-old little girl to now being a old young woman who's taller than me. Um, and all of the physiological came with that really made the middle school years especially difficult. Um, we more than tripled her insulin doses. The highs and lows, you know, even when we thought we had things figured out, <laughs> some, something would happen. The Don effect. So for months, she'd wake up high and we couldn't figure it out. And then we'd increase the long acting and she'd be low in the middle of the night, but then waking up high in the morning. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that pretty typical for what an adolescent girl goes through. Yeah, for sure. And, and the way we ultimately the conclusion of, or came, you know, actually opened ourselves up to wanting to try a dog was very gradual. And it came in part because the, the barriers kept forward as I did more and more research about how these animals work. Mm-hmm. So when I first looked, we first saw this working at a um, 2009 Children's Congress, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And I've been very dismissive of it, but clearly that dog is alerting a young child that something's wrong and he got the attention and the parents are helping her. So maybe I shouldn't be so quick. And then I started doing some research and saw, okay, $15,000, $20,000. There's no way. And frankly, in this industry where it's very poorly regulated, what I was reading sounded a lot like oil <laughs> sales. No, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to tell you they can do everything for you. And I just didn't believe it. And then I found this organization called CARES in Kansas, and their whole approach much more aligned with values and what I thought reasonable. So, for example, um, the puppies are donated, and then families foster puppies for the early months, socialize them in house. And then uh, they partner with a correctional facility. CARES goes into the facility and trains inmates who meet certain criteria on what they can do and how they can do all the basic training dogs. So an inmate named Michael trained coach after going through a worker training program and learning how to dog train. And so for the first year after coach was socialized in his family, he went and lived in a correctional facility with Michael and Michael trained him on how to live through a very regimented day and how to do all of the basic commands. And so by the time he went back to CARES to through the specialty training, he was ready for that. And all that savings families. So the story felt. And then things like, well, you know, it's only a $50 application fee. And the cost of the dog was $2,500, not $20,000. And they guarantee the dog. So if you get the dog home and he's not working for your family or the dynamic is just not something you're willing to commit to, they take the dog back and they place him with another family. So all these things mean, okay, well, I can, what's the harm in trying, right? I mean, we've tried everything else, so it's $50 to apply. It's a two-year wait, so we're not in a hurry. Um, for our dog, I grew up with dogs. My husband grew up with dogs. Our kids desperately wanted a dog. So, you know, all these things started coming together, and we thought, well, what's the harm? If, if we get him here and it doesn't work, we can send him back, and he can benefit some other family. Um, and so that's really what led us saying we would, you know, we would be willing to try it just from a standpoint of checking all those boxes. But it really was sit down with Ellie where my biggest worry is 
she doesn't self-identify as diabetic. She identifies as a theater kid who happens to have diabetes and she does what she has to do to manage it. So the idea of what is this going to mean for her, you know, having the dog in school with her, having her all the time, is that going to be a problem? Does she not, is she going to like that? Didn't, you know, she wouldn't drive herself as a dog lover when we first got him. Uh, but, you know, from the beginning, she's been open to wanting to try everything, I think, in part because it's, you know, she feels like it's hard. Yeah. And so, Steph- Stephanie, before we talk a little bit about how, sure. it, how it impacted her, let me go back because I have questions about what you said first. Mm-hmm. So, so at the point when mm-hmm. you, you, you apply for the, for the dog, mm-hmm. uh, what, uh, what, what's the technology you're using at that point then? Are you still shots or have you gone to a pump by then? Are you using a glucose monitor? Sure, sure. So she was on a pump within a year. This was for, well, we applied four years in. Um, and we, we had tried one of the early versions of a continuous glucose monitor. Like and the seven was, plus or the? It was the, a, the mini med. It was one of the oh, mini med. Mini med. Okay. It, it was the, it was the Revel system. The pump connected to the CGM, uh, two different sites. But, um, and she, she, uh, I mean, she didn't like it. It was alarming her all the time. It was inaccurate. We had a terrible time calibrating it. It drove her crazy. And she was very frustrated. And this was also on the heat. I mean, the application process, completed the application process, I think, in mid-2011. It took about two years before we got him. And we had come back from Children's. We, we did Children's Congress. We co-chaired Children's Congress in 2011. And we came back, um, and you know she was really anxious to the bionic pancreas. hadn't yet done that. It had been sort of we had placed a lot of hope in the idea of the continuous glucose monitor tied to the pump mini med, and thought that was going to make life much better. And you know it really, frankly, fell flat. It didn't didn't work, and it really you know it frustrated her. So my question is this. So if, if Elle would have been diagnosed, say, four years later than she was, if, if you were that time where you were thinking we've exhausted everything and the next step to try is the service dog, if that time was right now, would you be in the same situation as you were then? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's, it's never been either or. It's always been a, uh, and people always ask, like, well, she has a CGM. Even her endocrinologist, you have a CGM. Why do you need a dog? Right. And it's not either or. And and it's and because the dog plays a totally different role. <laughs> so, for example, um, before before we got coach, I I was the constant nurse nag. When did you test? You seem like you don't feel well. You seem like you might be high or have you, you know all the things. I think that we, the habits we try to break. Helping our children manage this because we know it's not sustainable. It's not what they need here. But regardless, you're responsible for making sure that they're safe. And when Coach came, the dynamic it changed from me being sort of constant nurse overseer mm-hmm. to Ellie empowered as Coach's trainer, trying to make sure when he was alerting her that she was rewarding him for what he was doing. And it wasn't really about diabetes at all. It was about their relationship and her as his trainer wanting to make sure she was doing right by him 
and that if he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, he was getting rewarded for it. So is coach and help is is coach helping you? Amazingly. To, yeah. Amazing. In amazing ways. Not even you know, people will say, Well, sleep now. No, I, I we can sleep with the CGM much better than we could before we had it, right? It's not right. that. It's the it's the the nature of their relationship such that I have observed her take more control over her dependence and in her relationship to this dog as his trainer wanting to make sure she's doing right by him because they have this relationship. It's not, it's not really about the, it's about the fact that she loves to say, telling her to do something and she wants to make sure he gets rewarded if he's done what he's do. Stephanie, I want to stop you just for a second because your sure. phone, your phone started to cut out a lot more than it was in the beginning here. And okay. I want, I want to, Okay, so in a second, I call back, and Stephanie and I keep talking, but real quickly, we're doing a giveaway for Stephanie's book, Ellie and Coach, one hardback cover and two paperbacks, so a hardcover and two paperbacks, giving them away. All you need to do is go to ardensday.com forward slash giveaways, and you can enter right there. I know I've been hinting at a big giveaway coming up. This is not that, but this is still pretty great. Free books. Come on, people. Ardensday.com forward slash giveaways. I hope you win. Good luck. I expected hold music. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, how are you? How are you? I'm back. I'm well. Oh my God. This is night and day. It's okay. amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to put a disclaimer at the front that says hang in for a minute. Okay. Um, okay so well, and if oh, you want me to re, if you want to go back any, to anything, happy to restate whatever you. No, no, no. It's, it, it, it came through. It's just that you were dropping words sometimes in a very self fashion. And so it, it's tough when I, if I would have set it up with you directly, it would have been, we, we could have, you know, it, it was between somebody else. So sometimes it gets lost in translation. I'm like, it really needs to be a landline. She's like, okay, no problem. And oh, so, and so and then she and said, the, well, is it okay if I give my cell phone out? And I thought, yeah, I don't mind. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. I think, I think the word landline is actually lost on people at this point. I, know. I think they're you're like, well, right. well, she's standing on land. It'll be fine. And so, <laughs> okay. So, so just to recap, we were just talking about, you know, you know, I asked you if the technology was different today, would you feel it was necessary to have a service dog? And you were talking more about how the relationships built with your dog because, because, but at the same time, and, and I have no knowledge of this, right? This is just my, this is my feeling based on absolutely no actual data, right? You have the data, you're living the life. Mm -hmm. When, when, when I see a service dog helping a, a blind person, I think that's amazing. That's, that's taking them from a place they could never get and putting them at a different level. You know, uh, a soldier with PTSD, I think, wow, that's amazing. Like that's that kind of thing. It would be my concern that if someone saw my daughter with a service dog, it would make her feel fragile and like she was on the precipice of death constantly. And, and, and like, I would think people would look and think, Oh wow, that, that girl is so teetering on, you know, the edge of death, literally that this dog is with her to keep her alive. And, and I know that's not the case, like, don't get me wrong, but how do you overcome that for yourself personally? And, and is it something you thought about? Sure. In fact, I think it's the exact opposite. I think when you watch Ellie work with coach, you see a young person who's in command mm -hmm. of her reality and of this relationship she has a very special friend. So no, for sure. It, it doesn't feel to me like that at all. We, and I don't think she would describe that at all. We 
we did worry in the beginning, you know, how will people relate to her with this animal and how will it work for her? And actually, her experience has been that if anything, Coach is a friend magnet. He starter. He helps her inform and educate people in a way that I think she finds very empowering. Uh, so I think one of the challenges with type one is it doesn't look like she's sick, which is a blessing, but it also means when she's experiencing challenges, a lot of times people don't get it. Yes. What do you mean you have to stop in the middle of this test you're taking because you feel low and go see the nurse? That's not fair. Right. Uh, you look like you're fine to me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, the relationship, I think, coach, I mean, first of all, there is a very real and impactful difference he's making in the sense that he's ahead of the CGM. He's, he's often right with the meter, if not a few minutes ahead of the meter. He's alerting her before she ever feels sick. And when she's waiting for CGM, tell her she's low, she's already low. When she's waiting for CGM to tell her she's high, she's already high. So I, I, I mean, I would never say that coach is a necessity for anybody. Right. And, and I would say, you know, Ellie is with or without coach. We're going to do everything we can to help Ellie live as fulfilling and healthy a life as possible. I do think, and what our experience has been, is that the dynamic between them and the relationship they have has taken the edge off of diabetes. That's the best way to describe it. I understand. Uh, yeah, in that in that she, you know, this is about her relationship to her dog, and she uh, she loves loves having that dynamic in her life, and it make, takes the focus away from the disease and puts it squarely between them and and in their relationship. So it's in that way, I think it has exceeded my wildest expectations. As I as we started this conversation about how we made the decision. I was highly skeptical. I didn't believe it would work. I thought we'd get the dog to the house, and within a month or two, I might have to be explaining to the family that this wasn't going to work. Uh, and that's re- that really was my genuine expectation, and and that's just not been the experience. Let me tell you about today's sponsor, Omnipod. Come on, Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. I feel like you know what I'm talking about. I cannot begin to tell you the amount of emails I get. And you're going to say, Scott, you're selling right now. I'm not. I get emails constantly from you guys, from listeners who say, hey, I tried the demo pod, really liked it. I switched to Omnipod. We're having a great time with it. Thank you very much. I get a lot of thank you emails. It's really my pleasure. My daughter Arden's been using an Omnipod for just so many years now, and we've had nothing but great success with it. And, you know, for that reason, I'm really happy to bring you news of Omnipod. So what you do is you go to myomnipod.com forward slash demo, or there's links in your show notes and in your player and your little app there. And you click on that and you fill in a little bit of information like your name and your address and they send you out a free, it's a non-working demo pod, but it works enough that it sticks on and you can really see how it feels and how it looks on you. It's pretty great. Listen, there's absolutely no obligation. So it's really worth a try. Myomnipod.com forward slash demo or the links in your show notes to find out what it's like to get untethered. I mean, honestly, you can even hear earlier in the in the interview, Stephanie says her daughter got away from an insulin pump because of the tubing. And where did she end up? With an Omnipod. Come on. What do you think? I'm just getting guests that use Omnipods? What am I, a diabolical podcaster? I'm not. I invite people on. They come on. And more often than not, come on, if you're listening to the show, you know when I ask somebody, what insulin pump do you use? What do they say? What do they say? Say it in your head. Then I'll say it out loud. 
Omnipod. That's exactly right. Okay, people. I really appreciate you guys trying the demo pod out. It helps the show because, you know, they're a sponsor. So that's really wicked. And thank you again. Let's get back to it. Hey, don't forget the giveaway, right? You want a book? Just go to ardensday.com forward slash giveaways and enter. Okay, let's get back to the interview where I'm about to ask Stephanie a question that obviously made me really uncomfortable because I fumfer through it for like 35 seconds before I get it out. Here we go. Thought here is, first of all, I hope you can hear in my voice that I'm not questioning your decision. I'm very much for people doing literally whatever makes mm-hmm. them better and comfortable and healthier. And, and I genuinely think it's fantastic of what you found and, and how it's working for you. And at the same time, I can't help but to have like like the feeling I have, which sounds like it was the same feeling sure. you had initially when, when, when you mm-hmm. got to it. So my next question, my next question that comes up from what you just said was, is does this mean that she's going to need coach or because coach is a dog and won't live as long as she will multiple dogs through her lifetime? Because are there nuances to managing type one diabetes that she doesn't understand because she's not involved in them because the dog is letting her know, like, it's the same feeling I have about the technology. Like, 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 do you know what I mean? Like there's, I would say that the decisions, and I'm not asking you these questions, like you don't have to share stuff like this for me, but I will tell you, like my daughter's A1C has been between 5'9 and 6'2 for two years. And it is, we don't, we don't restrict carbs, but it comes from this sort of learned over time understanding of how the insulin works, the timing of the insulin, when to give it, you know, when to restrict it, like that sort of thing. And, and now I would tell you that if my daughter has food, I don't even know that we count carbs as much as we say that food's going to take this much insulin and it's going to need a pre-bolus of 10 minutes. And we're going to have to set a temp basil for a half an hour or one hour of 30%. And it, it, and she doesn't have a lot of lows. So, so by struggling with the diabetes, I, I was able to extract all this extra information about how to manage it that I'm now slowly passing off to her. Is that kind of thing lost now, or is it not? I don't see how it could be because, I mean, well, first of all, we were struggling with diabetes for five and a half years before Coach arrived. Coach has only been in our lives for two and a half. And, you know, all of that struggle with injections and isolated data points before CM, we were doing together and figuring out together. So, uh, I mean, and, and we treat it the same way. I mean, this is a, you know, she, she does have, I would say she probably has uh, more highs and lows than anybody ever wants in part, you know, because I think her, her day-to-day reality is such that, if, for example, last week she was in a musical theater performance and she was in tech week. And that means that they were rehearsing from four in the afternoon till 10 o'clock at night. And she was in a heavy dance show, so she was expending a ton of energy dancing. Uh, And so there are these, because of who she is and the activities she engages in, there are these things that make it more unpredictable than I think regimented, (laughs) in part because sometimes she's in a show and sometimes she's not. Rehearsal and sometimes she's not, and that's sure of it. Um, And so in that sense, I back up because she's she's got that added but in general, I mean, she's eight and a half years in, and she could tell you, yeah, this is a this is a forty gram carb meal, and I I need to 
do a dual wave bolus for this amount of time and um and you know does the i mean she never she's never not been client she's never not uh bolused for meals you know, because she didn't feel like dealing with it i mean all of that is she's a highly compliant patient in that sense um and i think she's very well informed cool uh, well so it, it's funny because as you're talking I'm thinking like this was the, this feeling I have in my chest right now is the exact reason why I almost passed on interviewing you because I didn't want you to feel like I was grilling you, but I knew I was going to have no, questions. No, no. I, yeah, don't it, worry. Trust me. Okay. Cause I knew I was going to have, I was going to have questions that, that on the surface feel like they're calling into question your decisions, which they no, aren't. No, no. I'm, I'm just trying to understand. And, and at the same time, you know, it, it's also, we're in an awkward moment in time right now because there's a, there's a person online who also has a service dog who's made pretty much national news by saying that their dog saved their kid's life, but also said that her son's blood sugar was 54 when this life-saving happened, which, while that is a low blood sugar, is not a, is not a life-and-death moment, I guess. So, like, it's, it's, like, that's the part of it that feels it's got nothing to do with you and still made me uncomfortable. Like, I don't know if that makes sure. sense to you. No, yeah, it you, does. It does. Yeah. And in fact, I understand that because this is part of what made me skeptical about even trying was, was the noise that surrounds this industry, the service dog industry and the false promises and the false hope and, uh, and the exorbitant expense. And it, so I am right there with you, and you don't need to apologize for grilling. I mean, I'm I grew up in a, in the political world, so nothing nothing you're going to ask me is going to be any more uncomfortable or a hard question than I've already been asked. And I, I've been I've been more than polite then. Yeah, and yeah, so, don't and worry. so 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 let's back, so back out for a second. So so because I just mentioned a random number now, 54 as a blood sugar to somebody who is newer to diabetes or something like that might be like, Oh my God, 54. That's crazy. And I don't want my daughter's blood sugar to be 54, but also when it's 54, I don't think she's about to die. And so, and so, and that comes from time, you, you know, like in experiences and things like that. Now 54 and you use a Dexcom. So, you know, the lingo 54, two arrows down would definitely make me think, okay, we're going to be taking in some pretty, a lot of fast acting carbs right now, kind of quickly, there'd be juice boxes involved and stuff like that. And still, I would say that I don't find that, you know, my daughter has before all this technology had two different seizures from having too much insulin. And I, I gave it to her. So, you know, it's on me. But at the same time, I've seen her blood sugar at 30. And you know, and nothing happened to her. I've seen her blood sugar at 22 and her on the floor grunting and groaning and, and having an actual seizure. And that seizure she was brought back from with some gel in her cheek, you know? And so do I ever want that to happen to my kid? No. Do I ever want that to happen to yours or anybody else's? Obviously not. And at the same time, I still don't believe that my daughter was very close to dying. And, and, and when people use those words to describe it publicly, I have to admit, for a person who is very open to people living with diabetes absolutely any way they want to, and I don't get mad about almost anything that I hear, but I don't like people running around saying, uh, you know, my daughter's life was saved last night by a cookie. My daughter's life, I, like, I get the overtone to it, like, I understand it, like, for the, you know, for the lack of a juice box, my kid would have at some point died last night. But you you were in your house with 95 juice boxes. So it's not, you know, and so that's where as a person, 
and I don't, I'm not even personally offended. I'm worried for the others. And maybe that's not my place. And so maybe that sounds pompous. But I remember being a newly diagnosed person and being scared by everything. My daughter being a newly diagnosed person. It's funny how I, I think I feel like I have diabetes sometimes. But, but I, remember that, I remember that feeling. And I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, this food just saved her life or this happened or what if this wouldn't have happened and running all those scenarios through my head. But after time and experiences, I've learned that that's not the situation. And it feels to me like it would be harmful to the people who are about to be diagnosed who have just been diagnosed and don't have the benefit of those experiences yet for me to go out into the public and start yelling that a juice box saved my daughter last night. Because all it does is scare people they're already they're already they're already scared enough for good reasons. I don't need them to be scared for for reasons that are specious maybe. And right. so and even though that had nothing to do with you, that held me back. I, I got very like, oh gosh, I don't know if I want to talk about a service dog. But now that we're talking about it, I feel much differently. And and mm. and it's really interesting to hear you you speaking about it because you're just calling it it's another it's another layer of defense that's maybe added as much to your world with diabetes as it has to your personal world and i, I we have two dogs they're over in the corner at some point in gaps in us talking you'll hear one of them snoring <laughs> and I, i'll tell you that even if my wife doesn't feel well my older dog will sit next to her for a day you know like right. if she's if she's right. a sat- on a, on the sofa for a saturday not feeling well he won't leave her side he clearly right. understands she doesn't feel well right that kind of connection is like that's magical. You know what I mean? And I think that's amazing that Ellen and coach have that like that. I love, um, well, and my question, go ahead. ahead, Your original question was, do you know, will she have multiple dogs in her life? Because, you know, people say a working dog's life is at this breed of dog is probably 10 years, you know, barring any unforeseen illness in the dog. But, uh, you know, and I would say the same, if she were here, she would probably give the same answer. When um, she met one of the engineers who, who's working on the bionic pancreas, her comment was, you know, you've got six years to get it to the market because coach is going to be done working at 10 and, and I'm not, I don't want another dog because I can't imagine connecting to another dog the way I've connected to coach. And I would maybe elaborate on that statement and say, in the same way that she's right now using the Omnipod, but months ago she was using injections, depending on her life stage and what life looks like for her, she may or may not choose to have another dog when coach is ready to retire or no longer, you know, able to do his job. And I, you know, and it's the same way we may not want to try the first generation of bionic pancreas because they're, you know, closed loop system because we want the kinks worked out. I mean, it really does depend on life stage and what you're managing at the time and what you think is going to work for you personally. And, and I often say in our case and in our family, we would not have been ready for coach three years before he came. And if we had waited till she was a year and a half into high school, we may not have tried it then. It just so happened that when he was ready, she was ready. And it was a good stage. She was in eighth grade and she was, you know, on the heels of a pretty significant disappointment with this technology that she felt failed her. And having already tried the bionic pancreas and feeling really uh, frustrated that it was still far away. And this gave her an added boost at a time when she and I, you know, a nature of her age and stage and where I was, uh, were at risk of having more friction than we would want in managing the day-to-day. 
Um, I was going to say my daughter's about to be 12 this summer. And in the last three months, I've had to double her basal rates because it's coming. Like, you know, and at the same time, you're talking about prepping for a play. And my daughter plays softball, like in a really competitive way. So it's not uncommon for her to be outside in like 105 degree weather for six hours, like exerting herself. And it, you know, it's, trust me, I'm right there with you. Like I completely understand everything you've absolutely said. And and it's, it was just very honest of you just now to say that the timing of your life made the dog, you know, I'm sorry, the coach made coach such a valuable like asset in that moment. And that you're willing, you're willing to change as you go, because that's something I talk about with people a lot, which is, it's easy to get complacent with diabetes management because you get to that feeling of like, oh, well, I'm comfortable with this. And even though your outcomes aren't what you want, it's hard to change. That that happens to a lot of people. I always, always say you do not want to be the person who's like, oh, no, I do it like this. And everybody else is like, oh, they haven't done it like that in 10 years. You, you, you know, and, and at the same time, don't switch just for the sake of switching. Right. Right. Because that's just mind numbing, too. And so you and I completely agree, which is fantastic because I like thinking that I knew something I'm joking but <laughs> no no it's it's fantastic be, it's fantastic because your your vision of this is rooted in in what I would consider to be common sense which is very comforting to me I don't know if that makes a lot of sense or not but yeah no it does it does because I, I mean I, I as I said I I was very dismissive and and we had as a works process to figure out would could we even try this was it even fair to give it a try did we even you know could we even suspend disbelief long enough to see if it could work and i do think it was a combination of ellie being at the right age and stage i mean and by at this point i mean you point out having doubled basal rates i mean we we more than tripled her her basal rate and her her daily bolus needs over the course of that window and it was grueling and she was feeling defeated a lot of times because we thought we'd have it right. And then for some unforeseen reason, I mean, she grew from, you know, a four child who was four, four ten to a child who's now a woman who's now almost five, nine in a really short window of time. And, uh, her body changed completely. And so, you know, again, I think we have treated Coach and the dynamic he's brought to our family as a way, you know, this isn't an end-all, be-all. It isn't right for everybody. It may not be right for Ellie at a later stage in her life, and it is working now as part of what we consider to be a way of helping surround her and giving her the support she needs. Uh, it's spectacular. That, yeah. Yeah. No, it really is. Um, wow. I, I mean, my son's 16. He doesn't have type 1, but the... You know, the other day, be, through the magic of Facebook, here's where you were last year. Here's where you were four years oh, ago when you wake up in the morning. Right. I realized that four years ago, I took a small boy to spring training to see the Phillies play. And wow. he's close to being a man now, like standing right. in front of me. And it, it's obviously only being aware of your insulin needs makes you aware of those changes so much, too. Because, right. And it's such a shock. I don't know if it feels this way to you, but it does to me. From a Because when you're diagnosed really young, my daughter was two when she was diagnosed. So... You talked about half units. Like a half unit used to be far too much insulin for my daughter. Yeah, yeah. Like, like when, like when I tell you that my daughter had a seizure when she was two, it was because I gave her, you know, like a unit and a half of insulin. <laughs> you, you know, it was, yeah, right. it was, it was far too much for her at the time. 
knowing that that's where you started, bolusing even seven units for a meal now. I know, I know. Right? It seems like you've used the entire vial. I know, I know. <laughs> right. I, I totally understand that. And, and it's a stressful thinking, moment, so. Wait, you know, we had, I think when she was first diagnosed, she had half a unit of Levamir for long acting. And mm-hmm. at the height of puberty for her, she was taking 33 units of Levamir. Right. I right. mean, yeah. What? That's, you know, it's a, and we had to divide it into, you know, two doses of 18 or whatever. Or yeah. 17. Yeah, we used to do that. We used to split the the long acting insulin do it every 12 hours. Yeah, that's um, yeah, and so it just really is. Look, I mean, you know, we could throw the numbers around all day. I, my my daughter's basal, you know, for usage for an entire day used to be four units, you know, when she was like five years old, and now she's twelve, and it's more like twenty two. Mm. And you know, it's just it's it's overwhelming when you look at it in that way. But when right. you when you're bumping it slowly, it you know you know when you wake up one day and you go, okay, this is more than. Uh, an anomaly. I see a trend here. I'm going to move basal rates by 0.1. Right. That's fine. But the day you wake up, like I did the other month, and thought, "Wow, I have to take these from 0.45 to 0.75." Right. Right. Like that. That. That was like a big. Right. I was like, "Am I doing the right thing?" You know. Right. And 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 I feel badly for all the people who don't have glucose monitoring, which is many people, because I could almost not flippantly, but I could be like, "Okay, let's push it to this." And then we'll see Watch what happens. It. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I don't have to be testing her every, you know, you know, have to poke nine hundred holes in her hand one day to find out if that was right or not. Right, right. Yeah, it really is something. So let's talk for a second. So, so you, what brings you to writing a book? Because I've written a book. I'm, I'm, I'm a published author. It is not easy. Selling a book is terrible, <laughs> which is one one of the reasons why I was very happy to have you on because I know how hard it is um, to to just get the word out. Even if you have a book that people enjoy and like, that doesn't necessarily mean anyone's going to find it or buy it. And so, um, what leads you to this? you know, to the idea of writing a book and, and how long you've, was that process? Well, we, I, I didn't start there. Honestly, we started sharing. I mean, I, I had been writing a blog off and on about the challenges of, of parenting a child with type one. And, and mostly that was for my own sanity. Cause I <laughs> realized that my type A energy might otherwise be channeled into driving Ellie crazy and making sure she was doing everything she was supposed to, which was not going to help our relationship. Um, and so I wrote off and on over the course of, you know, her, uh, of the last eight years. And then uh, we started posting uh, this journey with Coach and people were very curious about it. And what I found in doing it is it created a hook to help inform and educate about type one, which historically, I mean, without the, I mean, this is just candidly a fact, without accessibility of an adorable dog People are curious about how they work. Um, I really struggled historically to help educate and inform people without it feeling so heavy. And um, and I didn't, you know, I wanted one of the things Ellie would say is the reason she decided to share this story because um, it really was incumbent upon her to say yes or no was that she she was tired of a lot of misinformation, <laughs> not so much about the dogs as much as about what it is like to live with diabetes. And what we found when we brought Coach into the mix was that people all of a sudden were asking questions about it. Wait, so she has to test her blood sugar eight to 10 times a day, and this was you know before CGM, or she wears a pump, or how does that work? She has to take insulin every time she has a meal. And so it created this conversation about diabetes that we struggled to have before Coach. Uh, 
And that felt like a very powerful opportunity to share in a way that might help reach a broader audience of people that isn't dealing with the day-to-day challenges otherwise. Um, And people were really curious. And I had gone through this. And there were lots of reasons ultimately decided we wanted to. The primary one being that Ellie to help dispel (laughs) myths about what it's like to live with diabetes and try to set the record straight about type 1 versus type 2. And um, But beyond that, we had gone through this pretty unique, I think, path in order to find coach. There was so much in- misinformation and the industry so poorly regulated. And it was killing me to hear, you know, families were spending fifteen and $20,000 for dogs. And then the dog was coming and it wasn't working. And they were left with this dog who, you know, it's really terrible for the dog and terrible for the family. Um, and so we also wanted to share that part of how we found CARES and what we thought made CARES a worthy organization worth looking into. Um, and so it was a long process. Uh, started, although it felt shorter than I expected it would when we were in the middle of trying to figure out what was actually going to go in the book. Uh, but it, the book came out on August 27th. The paperback is set to come out on March 29th. It took us about, from start to finish, it took us about 18 months to write it. Uh, and it, the part that I enjoyed the most was was getting to work with Ellie. There was a moment, uh, it was last February, so well, two, not, this, not last month, but the month, the year before. Uh, the publisher was waiting on the manuscript, and I was doing a final read-through, and it was uh, in... In New Hampshire at that time, we had had a crazy blizzard every weekend, four weekends in a row. So we'd been shut in the house for a very long time. And I read through the manuscript and thought, this really isn't good enough. I can't send it yet. It's not ready yet. And and it was the act of sitting with Ellie in our basement and combing through everything I had ever saved that she had written. Or um, she kept a journal when she was in the hospital. And she had done some writing about what it's like to live with diabetes when she was in middle school and then um, had done a couple of projects. And so we just, we sat together and combed through everything. And it was that work together that ultimately allowed me to put the, put the final P's and I's in Get place. Get it where you were comfortable it, with it. Yeah. Yeah. It. I, I, I very embarrassingly in one day by myself in my house, except with my dogs, read the end, my entire book out loud to myself because mm-hmm. I wanted to yep. hear it. Like and that and that, that's felt. I know people laughed at me when I did it, but it was so helpful. No, it's helpful. And, I totally yeah, agree. yeah. And then I got to the end, and I was like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't done." You, you know, like the, I yeah. know what I know what has to come here at this spot, and and uh, I never would have known that. It's hard to keep that many thoughts in your head while you're writing. It's it's so so and so. It gives you a connection with your daughter, and you guys get to share this thing, and it gets out into the world. Um, so we're going to give, I think I, I'm pretty sure your, your, um, publicist told me we're going to give some away on the blog and yes, everything too. Yes. So that's going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is great. Cause I, w- I would love people to see it. I haven't been able to read it yet. I have to admit, I just got it a day or so ago. Um, and it was not enough time for, for me to get through it, but, um, but I, I'm excited to, it's now on the top of my pile. Um, oh, yeah, I just really, I'm really glad you came on and you talked about this because, you know, it would be very easy for me to have a very, and it would be easy for everyone, by the way, to have a very visceral reaction to the idea of, of, of a service dog. And, and I, I would say that if I didn't, if I hadn't been writing a blog for such a long time that I see as something that 
is there to help people, then, you know, I wouldn't, I might not be looking at it with more of a journalistic mind too. Like, you know, like that's how I approach talking to you today, which right. is, I don't, I don't really have an opinion. I only have my thoughts. Right. And you know, and, but if I was just a person in the, um, in the community and I didn't, I wasn't worried about whether my thoughts were affecting other people's thoughts, I would, I would have had like a very like, Oh, that's silly. Like, why would anybody need that? I'm, you know, this glucose monitor and this and understanding that it's all enough. It's fine. Um, but, but I was, it was really just enlightening to hear you talk about it. And I have a couple more questions though. Sure. So, sure. so when I, I stop and th I, I'm now, I'm now making coach into a glucose monitor in my head. Mm -hmm. And so Arden's alarms right now we have it set at I think 80 is her low and 140 is her high and mm -hmm. so she, she she gets alarms when she's falling or rising and you know different alarms when she reaches those thresholds how does coach handle those things and does he ever just not see it does he how does he handle the alarms like, yeah like, yeah it's a two-piece question yeah, yeah what, what's his process so if he can he sure. feel can he feel like falling like yes, say she's one fifty and falling, would he tell yes. her that? Yes, and in fact, it's it's the dropping or the rapid increases that he responds most urgently to. Uh, so he's trained below eighty or above two hundred to alert. Uh, and my experience is, people always say, "Is he accurate?" He is incredibly accurate. There are times when if she's high for a you know, for a persistent period of time, he's not going to continuously re-alert. So he'll alert on the first high. And if, you know, it always depends on the window of time because we know how sometimes it takes longer than others to come down. Um, but if she's persistently high, say she's sick. Uh, he's generally agitated when that's the case, but he's not re-alerting all the time, which actually is a blessing because... So he has a sleep function. He will... Yes, <laughs> yes. <you can. laughs> Yes. You can press and a button on his head that yeah. makes him stop barking. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and with the low, again, he, he tends to be more urgent with the low than with the high. And he tends to be more urgent. And when I say urgent, I mean like insistent. If she's not, if she's dismissing him because she's in the middle of homework or she doesn't want to deal with him or she's late getting to class, he will take it upon himself to not let her dismiss him. Um, and so... Uh, like, for example, the other day, last week, she was late to class and she was low and didn't have her CGM on because I had fallen off on her way to school and didn't want to deal with putting it back on because she was running late. And he stopped, you know, she's rushing to get to class and pulling him along because she's a little disoriented and aggravated that he's not paying attention and he's worried because she's low. And they walk by the nurse's office and he dead stops front of the nurse's door and he takes the leash in his mouth and pulls her like he's trying to pull her into the, into nurse's, the nurse's office. office. That's yeah. something. Yeah. And does she, does she do her management in class or does she always go to the nurse for it? No, no. She, she only usually only treats a low in, in the nurse's office if it's really low, but usually she'll just stay in class. It just so happened that, you know, so if, if they hadn't been walking by the nurse's office, she, he's done this in class before, he would alert her in her seat and she would just treat with her sugar. And right, right. He wouldn't yeah. drag her out of the classroom to the no, nurse's office. No, 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 no. Right, right. <laughs> no. It just so happened that he knew, okay, this is the nurse and she's not listening to me and I need backup. So I'm going to try to pull her, pull her in here. How, what's, the, what's the mechanism for him realizing that she's un, incapable of helping herself? Because that must exist too, Right. Like, does she have to, if she doesn't respond to him, does he come find you yeah, or another yeah. person? Yeah. So 
Um, and that's happened. I mean, it's happened with teachers. It's happened with, with us. It's happened with theater directors where she'll ignore him or be otherwise preoccupied. I mean, is a teenage girl who often doesn't want necessarily to be bothered or can easily dismiss him. Uh, the other day she was taking an online SAT course as preparation for her SATs, which she has to, and she was not paying attention to him at all. And swiped at her lap a couple times and she was focused on her SATs and he did it a third time and she didn't respond and and the response for him would be he would recognize it and she would reward him and then he knows he's done his job because he gets his reward well, when he doesn't get his reward he's what well, what's going on here I'm doing my job so in that case he came and found me I was upstairs doing laundry and he came upstairs and alerted me and then I came down and yeah, she was low that's really something that is it's fantastic yeah, yeah it really is that is fascinating um because you know like with Arden's obviously younger she's almost 12 but we're getting ready to I mean she's always played she's always played softball as an example mm-hmm. in travel mm-hmm. teams and things like that but we're there then and right. this this week she for the first time is old enough to try out for the team that she has at school and oh, wow. it's very likely she'll make that team but I'm not going to go sit at softball practice at school right, every right, day. Right. So we, we just started having conversations about, you know, you can't, it's not going to be the same anymore. Like you can't right. count on, you can't count on me. We're going to have to, and how, and what happens when you get super focused? And the only thing I can honestly come up with is, you know, having, you know, some sort of a timer running in the background that reminds you, Hey, it's been, you know, a certain amount of time since you started right. practicing and, and having the ability to contact the coach or say, you know, I've texted Arden and she's not responding to me. I need you to right. push her towards her phone. I can give you a great example of that because, um, so Ellie was in a performance last weekend and we don't, coach doesn't go to performance nights because there's no way to keep him safe backstage and allow him to do his job freely in the middle of a performance because you either have to have him created and then have to bark in order to alert you to bark in a performance and if he's free flowing then it's dangerous backstage so anyway um we've concluded i'm just a, i'm sorry i'm imagining every great stage production that now has a golden retriever on it <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember it i don't remember a dog in streetcar oh no 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 yeah. it was always there <laughs> it's so funny there have been a few shows where they've actually written him into the script which has been very funny that's excellent that's um, excellent and he, he she did she wasn't of mice and men and uh, after that show, I thought, okay, I don't want any more of those shows because my dog dies and my daughter played the part where it died. So I thought, this is more than I can take. Uh, but anyway, Friday night, she had this performance and um, she had her CGM on. She didn't have coach with her. I was in my office working before coming to see the show. They were running through the show uh, before the audience arrived. And she had taken more insulin than she needed for the snack she was going to eat on top of all the activities she was doing. Um, so she probably gave herself two units more insulin than she needed, given all the activity. CGM alarms me saying 42 with down red arrow, single large red arrow. And I know it's alarming her, but I can't get her to respond to my phone that she's acknowledged the alarm. And uh, I end up having, can't get a hold of the stage manager finally get a hold of the person in the ticket booth to go into the theater to stop her from dancing. I know she's treated. She never heard the CGM alarm because she was on stage and music was playing. Um, So, you know, that was a situation where if coach had been with her, he would just have walked on the stage. (laughs) They were in rehearsal and that had happened in rehearsal. 
he just would have walked on stage and she would have had to stop because she's been on stage. Uh, but, you know, and, and she had her CGM on and it alarmed the way it was supposed to, but she couldn't hear it. Um, so it's, you know, it's this added built-in reinforcement that has found helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds, it sounds wonderful. It really does. Is it ever, I guess, just some like obvious, you know, like questions, is it ever sure. just odd to have a dog with you all the time? I mean, yeah. is, there ever, is there ever just a time where you're like, you know, most people wouldn't have brought a dog to the museum. Yeah. 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 And, there, and there are times when we totally defer to her relative to her comfort level with when she wants to have coach with her and when she doesn't, uh, because it, it already, I mean, for, for me, the number one goal is compliance. If she's willing to test, willing to take insulin and she's doing what she needs to do generally to take care of herself, then, you know, she gets to steer the ship. And, uh, and so there are times when, like, for example, her, in a friend's car and they're going to, you know, buy after school supplies for a project, you know, they're going after school to buy school supplies for a project and her dog doesn't fit in the car. Well, she's not going to take the dog. She's going to go with the friend and do her school supplies and the dog's going to come home. Um, you know, there's a, they, they had one day this earlier this fall, they had a field trip to a museum and it was, it was a fine arts museum and it was really raining and she felt like, it's going to be a distraction. I'm going to, he's going to be wet. I'm going to be bringing him in and out of a museum wet. So he stays home. Um, you know, so there are times when she, she decides this is better for both of us. If it wasn't here. And, and that works. She, you know, when, when she can have him and it's going to make her life better and she likes having him around, then she has him. And when it doesn't, then he's home. You don't. Yeah. How about your brother-in-law? Does he, does that confuse him when there's two people with diabetes, type 1 diabetes around him? It's funny because um, we also took him to Children's Congress uh, this July. And, you know, so he was with 150 plus young people ranging in age from 4 to 18. And he's supposed to be focused on Ellie and exclusively focused on her and exclusively alerting her. There have been times, like, for example, her her voice instructor, has, her voice teacher has type 2 diabetes. And for two weeks in a row, he alerted her voice teacher because he was running in the 400s to adjust his medication, which he did because he got alerted twice from coach. Um, so there are times when he's alerted other people. He doesn't seem to be disoriented when, uh, you know, when it's two people in a room of, of 10 people and two happen to have type 1 or diabetes. Um, but he has alerted on other people when they're out of range. And I, we were worried about how he would react to Children's Congress. And in fact, I actually think it's something about the training he was given when he's in public, uh, because he's he's very, he's always on when he's in public with his vest on and his working collar. And, and when Ellie's in command, it's just, I don't, it could be a thousand people with diabetes. And I think he'd be yeah. Although it's funny, we we, we were joking because at one point we're at Children's Congress and the elevator doors open and it's just Ellie, Coach, and I, and we're going to get in the elevator. But before we can do that, fifteen young people who are attending Children's Congress pour out, and you could see him kind of go into slow motion as he stepped into the elevator. Right, right, right. I think the sense were just the smells were overwhelming. Does he ever yeah. just want a day off? Because he, and yeah. here's what I mean by that: my oldest dog, Indy does not like being in the rain. Yeah. 
So if it if Indy wakes up in the morning and it's raining, he mm. will he won't eat and he won't drink because he doesn't want to have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, it's it's okay. interesting. He'll he'll Find lay out. around this. You know, he'll lay around this yeah. house all day long. His activity's gone. He's just like, oh, it's raining outside. I don't want any part of this. Yeah. Um, but does do you ever have have you ever needed him and yeah. he was just like, not today, lady? For sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there have been times when I mean, he's a dog, so the reality is he's been sick, um, been down. There are times. I mean, the the hard thing for him is really is accustomed to working. So when they are separated, I've noticed that he seems more agitated when he's without her than he is when he's with her. Um, even when, you know, uh, I remember the first time they were separated, I, I got a, I, I called the trainer because I couldn't figure out, he was so un, unsettled. And she said, well, he's looking for a job. He needs a job to do because he's working. So give him a job to do. So we, we put the laundry basket in the middle of the floor and and he would pick up the kids' stuffed animals and put them in the laundry basket, and we would <laughs> reward him, and it made him feel like he had a purpose. That's really uh, interesting. Yeah, but, but it's also uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity for you to eat sweets, actually, because you could make Coach feel like he's got something to do, and you could yeah. feel like it was okay to have a giant piece of cake or something. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so um, I mean, I have to say, like, I don't have any other questions. I'm just really thrilled that you did this. Like, it's, oh, thank it, you for giving me the time. No, no, not at all. I was, I was, as soon as someone asked me, I was like, yes, no. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, can we talk on the phone? And yeah. so I call, I called them. I was like, is Stephanie, like, is she militant about this? I said, cause I don't want to argue with her. And yeah. I was like, and I, and, and she was like, no, you're going to have a great conversation. You're going to talk about type one diabetes like you do with everybody else. And I was like, okay, I am really excited to do that. But I have to admit for that an hour before I called you, I was just very worried that I wouldn't be the right person to have this conversation with you, but I feel like it went really well. So no, I hope me you, too. And in fact, yeah. I think you're exactly the right person because I, you know, especially in light of the the recent national news story, I think we have to have very candid, hard, direct conversations about what it in in our community of people living with type one, but what what tools and resources we have available because as as we started this conversation. You know, some work for people some of the time and others work for other people other times. And it's a matter of figuring out what's going to work for you at this moment and recognizing that a year from now, it may look totally different. And and honestly, when it, we, this year was a really hard year because we hit that mark where she's going to be living with diabetes longer than she was without it. And, and it's in part because when she was diagnosed, we were promised the five years like everybody else. You know, life's going to look so different in five years. And yeah, your, your, your meter worked better yeah, in five years. Right. So, and I, I, think, I think what has helped Ellie maintain a sense of optimism and discipline in with type 1 is the sense that even though it's not everything we hoped it would be eight years later, it is changing and it is getting better. And so that, that's sort of the hope. Hold on to, and I say that not just because of coach. I, you know, the Dexcom share has totally changed our life. Sure, and, oh mine too. And you know that's um, that gives us hope. And so, what I had had always envisioned when we made the decision to write this book was that, in some ways, story of Ellie's relationship with with Coach would make the the opportunity for us to explain what life is like with diabetes more full and. Feasible, you know, uh, because in doing so, we can 
you know, in, 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 in addressing people's questions and curiosities about how this relationship between Ellie and Coach works, we're able to have the broader conversation of what life looks like when you're living with diabetes. Uh, that's, and that's just really so powerful. important. It's so important because it, it, I always think of it as the more people, I mean, it, in general, it's tough because the blog reaches people who live with diabetes mostly. There's mm-hmm. no one who doesn't isn't touched by diabetes who's like, let me go find a diabetes blog to read mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the same time, when you do reach outside of the sphere, you do want to give people a real genuine understanding because I always think, well, if that person bumps into my daughter one day, she's going to have a better experience with, with a person that's out, that's living outside of type one. And, and I think if, like you said, it is a heavy topic. So, you know, I want you to read my book about type one diabetes. It's scary. Insulin can kill you. You know, I, somebody might have a stroke or a heart attack when they're older, if they don't use it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but look at the cute dog. And, and so, and if that's what works, then fantastic. Like, absolutely. I mean, I'm thrilled about it. Are you seeing the book getting outside of the the, yeah, the well, that's what's been so exciting. Uh, you know, we we got um, Good Morning America shared the shared our story uh, right around the release of the book. People Magazine did a follow up, and we've done um, we did something with Parade Magazine. And now that the paperback is being fast tracked for release, uh, we hope that's going to be that's going to help get it out even further. But um, yeah, I mean that's the hope. The hope is that it the story really was always intended to be a story of overcoming and and uh, finding ways to deal with adversity, and in doing so, shining a bright spotlight on what it's like to live with diabetes and how, ironically, we can find hope in places we never imagined we could. Didn't expect it existed. Uh, well, I, I have to say thank you for writing it because I know from personal experience, no one writes a book to become rich. And no, so, that's true. <laughs> and well, I should l- say to all your to all your readers and listeners, the proceeds from the book are going to Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation and to Jocelyn Diabetes Center. So, um, you know, if it does do well, it's it's not lining our pockets. It's hopefully going to go into research that will make things better. And that's excellent. And let me say from my perspective, even if that money was going in your pockets, <laughs> it really wasn't going to even make up for the amount right. of time and effort you put into exactly. writing the book. That's exactly <laughs> so right. As you know. It, well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, somebody asked me the other day about, are you going to write another book? And I'm like, I'm really trying. And uh, I said, and at the same time, the ads from my podcast make me way more money than writing a book, I which is not, it. which is not to say that ads from a podcast make you a lot of money. Right, it's to right. say, it's to say that unless you're very famous, people don't pay you a very, uh, a handsome fee to write books usually. Right. So, so, uh, and so it's great to hear that's where the money's going from the book nevertheless. But, but I know it's a lot of effort and time. And, and I know that there's days that you got out of bed and sat right back down in front of a, of a, in front of a computer and looked up and it was dinner time. And, yeah. you, you know, it was like, well, there's a day of my life that's gone, yeah. uh, you know? And so, um, and I, I lived through that too. So I, it's very nice of you to put that kind of effort into getting the message out like that. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. And if after you've read it, you have more questions, I would love to keep our conversation going. So no, oh, beautiful. That'd be you wonderful. know where to find me. <laughs> I do. I do. I absolutely do. And we, maybe okay. we can bring Ellie on too. We could share her perspective on. We'll see if like. she's if she's up for that. Then that's something that would be excellent to do. And if, because yeah. I, t- I will tell you this: a lot of parents come and ask me, "Would you have kids on the podcast?" And I'm like, "Listen." 
I can't be the creepy guy who's asking people if their children want to come on a podcast. <laughs> it's like, that's not going to work out really well. Right. And, and at the same time, I would be insanely interested to hear an eight-year-old talk about what their day with diabetes is like. Right. But, but you know, you're going to put me on the phone with your eight-year-old and right. not be involved? Like, like right. you know, I wouldn't right. do that with my daughter. And even though right. I know I have good intentions, I don't know how people would do that or how I would ask. So if, if, if that's something Ellie's up for, I would love to do that. would be fantastic. Yeah, well, and I think it, because wanting from the very beginning she has wanted to to live out loud with this and she is far more articulate than i can be about what it's like and i'll never forget when cnn asked if they could shadow her when she was testing the bionic pancreas and she said sure and so they did some b-roll at the house where they came and her um and she was supposed to be we were supposed to be changing her pump site and you know she wears it in her lower back region and i'm thinking she really want the cameras filming this and so i said honey why don't we do this part in the bathroom. And she said, no, mom, let them see it all. This is what it's really like to live with it. So, you know, we, we have to, and uh, so I admire her courage and I'm sure she'd love to talk to you anytime. That would be so cool. You're reminding me of, um, my daughter had a couple of girls over recently and I called down to her and I was like, Hey, you know, my daughter uses an Omnipod also. Uh-huh. And, and, and I said, uh, Hey, your pod, we've let it go as long as we can. Like, you know, you need to, it's done. You, you know, yeah. we have to, we have to swap it. It's not going to wait till everybody goes home. And she was like, okay, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom first. And I was like, okay. So she disappears into the powder room on the first floor and I'm in the kitchen. And then it was on her, um, it was on her thigh. Mm-hmm. And so, and she was wearing pants. So I look up and my daughter's just coming through the hallway into the kitchen with like her pants around her knees and there's girls <laughs> in the living room. And I'm like, I'm like, what's, what's happening? She's like, we're all girls. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and I was like, uh, okay. And so, and so, and, and, and it really is heartwarming to see people who are able to do that, who are able to yeah, not feel totally that burden. Great. You know, I, I love that she's, you know, you know, the, yesterday at her softball practice, I, I think I yelled across the, you know, a, an entire field. I was like, you need to bowl us 0. .70. And she's yeah. like, what? And I said, you have to bowl us point seven. Then all the girls were yelling it. He said, you should bowl us point seven. And, and, and then she waved. She's like, okay. And and I just like, I like that she's not overwhelmed by it like that in that, in that yeah, situation. So, well, and it's right. interesting. So Ellie is uh, getting ready to go to prom. Her, it's, our high school is a junior prom and she's a junior and so we've been talking about she's trying to figure out what kind of dress and does she want to just have the the pod be sticking out like you know so it doesn't matter and she's not trying to hide it or does she want to live with the bump so it'll be interesting to see how we wrestle through this one but she but it's nice that she's you know as a 16 year old girl willing to say yeah maybe i just want it fully exposed yeah i i always I'm always really amazed in the summertime because Arden's a big thighs, thighs, uh, abdomen girl. She, she mm-hmm. likes, that's where she likes her pump uh, yeah. uh, a lot. And she wears these shorts that she could easily pull down over the pump when it's on her thigh. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually feel like I see her pull it above it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think yeah. it's just because it's comfortable for her that way. But it just, I've never once seen her th- say to me like no don't let anybody see this you you know and and i that just makes me happy so yeah me too um all right well i've taken up way too much of your time thank you so very much for coming on i look forward to another conversation at a later time and it's been wonderful thanks for making the time no stephanie thank you all right talk to you soon have a good day bye-bye bye-bye thanks again to omnipod for sponsoring this episode myomnipod.com forward slash demo or the links in your show notes to try a free demo pod with no obligation 
Don't forget to ardensday.com forward slash giveaways to try your luck at winning Stephanie's book, Ellie and Coach. One hardback, two paperbacks. This was a really long episode. And uh, so I won't say anything else. Goodbye.